0: Discussing a variety of issues.
1: What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy,
2: of Tiwonge and uh, Steven.
3: The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.
4: Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's a new week uh, today, and uh, we're going to start off uh, looking at uh, the Krasia Michelle Trust. And they've started a women's initiative to empower uh, women on the continent economically, socially, and also just to create a platform and a space for them to actually voice their views in their various industries. So we'll look at that after the news. We've got Anne Musa standing by, and let's find out what's happening in that front.
0: Good news for our listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605 So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605 47 Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
5: In the headlines, Gabon's president and opposition leader both claim victory in presidential election. The Tokyo International Conference on African Development ends with the issue of insecurity in Africa featuring prominently and Egyptian authorities release a renowned human rights lawyer from prison. A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Musa. Gabon's incumbent president, Ali Bongo, and his main rival, ja Ping have both claimed victory in Saturday's presidential election. The two sides have also accused each other of cheating. Official results are only due on Tuesday. There are 11 candidates running for president after three presidential hopefuls withdraw to support the main opposition leader. The Interior Ministry earlier warned it was illegal for anybody but the Electoral Commission to declare the results. The Tokyo International Conference on African Development has ended in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, with the issue of insecurity in Africa featuring prominently. African leaders have called for global support in the fight against terrorism. They unanimously agreed there was a need for partnerships to deal with it. Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta.
1: We all know that it takes security to achieve sustained growth. Today, unique security threats are rising to fill any vacuum in governance at the local, regional, and indeed global level. Terrorism in particular is threatening and even dismembering some states. Organizations practicing this illicit and savage form of violence are spreading their cells throughout the world. No country or region is immune or distant.
5: Egyptian authorities have released a renowned human rights lawyer who has been arrested after protests against President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi's decision to hand over two islands to Saudi Arabia. Malik Adli had been in, had been held in pretrial detention since being arrested by police on the 5th of May. He Adli supported protests in April against the decision to hand over the two Red Sea islands to Saudi Arabia which provoked outrage in Egypt and accusations that al-Sisi sold them in return for Saudi investments. Divisions over the pronouncement by the national leadership of South Africa's ruling ANC's Youth League, calling for an early elective conference, have led to the collapse of the northwest province's ANC Youth League, Provincial General Council. Some regions and branches in the province support the call by the higher structure – while others are in opposition. The ANC in the province has since warned the Youth League to focus on issues affecting young people. ANC Youth League's Provincial Secretary Sipo Dail says the leadership of the province supports the decision by the highest structure.
4: In terms of democratic uh, principles, when a, a, a position has been taken by a higher structure, it binds lower structures, unless if there's a national conference. In this instance, to reverse a decision of the National Executive Committee, so we wanted to also clarify the the the, the intended purpose of this uh, national early national conference of the ENC.
5: South Africa's Social Development Department has expressed shock as 3,000 underage girls are reported to be pregnant in the Ratlou municipality outside Maikeng in the northwest province. The South African government is probing allegations that older men have been, impreg- have been impregnating hundreds of young girls, some as young as 12. The department's Deputy Minister Heta Bukhupane Zulu says the number is expected to rise. The first step
6: is to first understand who are the perpetrators, but to also listen to the girls, because we can't start by judging them. As social development, we work with the children to be able to understand what happened, how it happened, and obviously you've got those that were cheated into, you have got those that were raped, so each case deserves its own merit and we deal with it like that. We had 3,000 girls and they're all under 18. Recapping the top
5: stories, Gabon's president and opposition leader both claim victory in Saturday's presidential election. The Tokyo International Conference on African Development ends with the issue of insecurity in Africa featuring prominently. And Egyptian authorities release a renowned human rights lawyer from prison.
4: Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us. Remember, if you're listening to us on shortwave, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. And we're on DSTV on Channel 802, 802 on the audio bouquet. Thank you for being with us as well. If you're streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be looking at Agrasa Michelle a Trust-Led Initiative, which is aimed to create a Powerful movement, as they say, of African women focused on advancing Africa's future. So we'll be looking at this initiative. What is it all about? What does it stand for, and what does it actually mean? Because there's a lot of these initiatives, and sometimes they unfold to just being a talk shop. So today we're going to see if this is actually something worth looking at. And the grasse Michelle Trust announced an initiative that seeks to strengthen a powerful movement of women whose collective experience and wisdom will amplify the influence. And voices of African women throughout the continent and globally. Now, this initiative is aimed to robe in women activists, influencers, and leaders from across the continent to create an intergenerational and intersectoral uh, movement to build solidarity, share expertise and drive collective action. Now, joining us in the studio, we've got uh, the CEO of the Krasa Michelle Trust, who's Nomsa Daniels. We also have Sam Gengwenya, who is a private banker, also part of this initiative. Let's start this conversation with you, Nomsa. Thank you for coming all the way into our studios. It's uh, rare that we have women in the studio, so it's fantastic to have pretty faces, beautiful faces in our studio, especially at this time of the month. But Nomsa, just starting with you, tell us a little bit about what is this initiative. Like I said, there's a lot of initiatives, especially that are aimed at empowering women. what makes this one different from the rest
7: well thank you very much um, for having us and uh, uh, good morning to your listeners I'd like to just start by saying that as the Grasima shall trust um, the economic advancement of African women is one of our key focus areas and we selected that area because we believe that African women are an enormous resource on this continent they are the backbone of most of our economies, they produce most of our food, sure. they um, look after the well-being of uh, children and people throughout this continent. Mm. But we feel that their economic contribution is largely undervalued, mm. and it's not quantified because many operate in the informal economy. Mm. And as a result, um, I think we, we see that the economic c- contribution of women is really not as appreciated mm. as, as it should be.
4: Sure. Uh, Now, that's very interesting. So how will you actually quantify that? And how are you able to actually create that form of collaboration? Because especially in the informal sector and the women's contribution in that area, it seems very difficult to quantify or to gather those women into a space.
7: Well, it is difficult to quantify, and data is is in short supply, um, particularly gender-disaggregated data on on women's contributions generally. Mm -hmm. But McKinsey did a study um, last year, I think, and they quantified the economic contribution of women around the globe. And they found that the global average is about 30% contribution to GDP. Africa was slightly ahead mm. with uh, a 39% contribution to GDP. But that's really measuring women in the formal sector, as sure, you said. Sure. And it, if we were to include the in- informal sector, there's still no doubt that that figure would be much, much higher. Mm. So what this movement is looking to do is really t- to harness the potential of women, but particularly by um, highlighting Uh, Areas where we feel there are still gaps, Mm. like um, the financial inclusion of women. Mm. Um, Again, just to give you another statistic, in Africa, 70% of women are financially excluded, Mm. which means that they operate outside the formal financial um, system. Now, again, that's a huge disadvantage to our economy. It robs us, really, of Um, of the the valuable inputs that women make. And what we are trying to do with this movement is really look at how do we accelerate women's Mm -hmm. financial inclusion. So that's going to be a core pillar um, for the forum. The other core pillar is market access, uh, because if you look at women's representation in key sectors, yes, there are sectors like agriculture where women are highly represented, but usually it's at the low end of the value chain. And there are other sectors that are technical, you know, mining, gas, construction, um, telecommunications, mm. energy, mm. where women are not represented in sufficient number. Sure. Um, so are this the, the three pillars are going to be financial inclusion, market access, and social change, because mm. at the end of the day, yes, we want women to be economically um, independent, we want women to be financially empowered, But um, that is not an end in itself. The 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 end is really to transform our societies, to improve the quality of lives Mm. of women themselves, but also their families, their communities, and their countries.
4: Mm. Let me come to you, Samke. How did you get into this initiative? What interested you to be part of this?
6: So uh, thank you very much. I am a bank, and I've been in banking for about seven years. Sure. And um, I actually was invited to join the forum by one of my friends who saw my activity on social media nice. because um, I'm always sort of. So you were Twitter. Cont- f-
4: you were like a Twitter fan. Are you like a <laughs> big Twitter person?
6: <laughs> Not really. I'm actually a big Facebook person because okay, I'm, cool. I'm very verbose, so I don't <laughs> communicate my point across in 140 characters. <laughs> and um, I think she's just been seeing that I've been doing a lot of work um, on local TV, local radio. Around banking and consumer education and um, that my MBA research was into the factors contributing to over-indebtedness of black South African females. Mm. So it was um, not so much on financial inclusion as such because Mm. the people that I researched were already in the formal financial sector, Mm. but rather how the black South African female is the most likely over-indebted population group of South Africa. Mm. So you find that black women are entering the financial system mm. but aren't doing so on terms mm. that are favorable or advance them socially. Mm. They're actually being left over-indebted mm. which leaves them in a worse position. So um, I wanted to get involved so that I can apply and contribute my expertise into ensuring that while we promote financial inclusion, we're doing so in a way that actually advances them or promotes them socially as well mm. and doesn't leave them worse off.
4: Mm. Well, we're going to come back to the f- perfect. Is it just uh, going to be, how is it going to unfold the initiative? Because is it going to be just about having conversations on these issues, or are we going to actually find other ways of expressing um, that need to have an inclusive society where women are also part of the central spaces of the economy? Your thoughts there, on how you're gonna actually, un- how this whole thing is going to unfold?
7: Well, I think we started off, um, um, not this weekend, but the weekend before, by inviting a group of 40 leading women from around the continent to really help us to refine our thinking around the concept, the pillars, the objectives, and how to make this forum unique. Mm. So even just from the initial step, we as the grasse Michelle Trust want this to be viewed as a collective movement. Mm. We don't want it to be seen as, you know, grasse Michelle Trust coming and telling the women of Africa what they could and should be doing. sure. And so even, uh, so coming out of this, uh, the two-day roundtable meeting th- that that we had, we got a lot of ideas um, from the women about specific actions and things that we can drive mm. between now and the inaugural forum in, in 2017, sure. so that we're not just waiting, um, you know, for a year to pass and then we'll call an even bigger group again and mm. discuss these issues again. Mm. We want this to be a very results-driven movement, to be very action-oriented, to be very impactful. And and so we have a, a number of initiatives that we are going to... You know, try to get off the ground um, between now and 2017.
4: Mm. Well, I'm going to bring in uh, Cecilia Akentomide, who's an attorney and a former Vice President Secretary General of the African Development Bank. But I need to go to a break and then we'll continue this. Hey, what do you think about uh, the role of women in our economies? Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can send us your SMSs on plus plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero, or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org. Remember, you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1 or at African Dialogue. I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll be back.
2: We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile.
1: If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance. Well,
4: you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And today we're speaking about the Grasha Michelle Trust uh, Woman Advancing Africa Initiative, which has just been recently launched. What is it all about? We know Grasha Michelle is an uh, an African icon, and we know that uh, her stance as well in terms of feminism and pro-woman kind of sentiments have been huge on the African continent. So we're going to be unpacking what uh, this uh, Woman Advancing Africa Initiative is all about. Let me bring you, Cecilia Akintomide, into the conversation. I'm sorry for that. There's two beautiful ladies. I'm sure you're beautiful as well on the other side, (laughs) but uh, I've been just focusing on them. I haven't (laughs) forgotten you, Cecilia. But uh, tell me a little bit about how do you feel like you can contribute to this movement? And why do you think uh, women movements are important, especially those that are focusing on social and economic transformation, Cecilia?
2: Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be part of this conversation this morning. And hello, Namsa and Samki, my dear sisters. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, people usually say that a picture speaks better than words. But when you look at the, the data or you look at the statistics on the continent, the figures louder than anything else mm. and this is what struck me I mean what we're discussing is slightly over 50% of Africa's population so if I just approached you and I said majority of the population of Africa is actually financially excluded mm. and majority of the population of Africa their potential is undervalued. You will immediately see that as a serious economic problem. Mm. And so it's when we now tell you that that majority is actually the female population that you say, okay, so it's about women. And so it's first about understanding that we're talking about slightly over 50% of Africa's population And that is an important economic issue. Mm. And this is why I have gotten interested as an attorney, as a woman that has spent over 19 years working in the area of development, and as a woman who has been um, a member of senior management of a leading development finance institution, that's also been, I would say, very concerned about the pipeline and making sure that there is succession, mm-hmm. that the leading women that you see today do not become um, just the only leading women that you will be talking about, that there is a succession of leading women, and we continue to multiply the numbers and amplify their voices. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I must say that I have gotten um, involved with the Grass and Michelle Trust. And this is why I also think that the women advancing Africa initiative is a critical initiative not only for women but actually for the economic advancement of the continent
4: mm. you highlight you highlight various issues there cecilia, and I want to bring them back to the ladies in our studio samke there's a huge issue there that um, Cecilia highlighted, which is the population dynamics of that majority of women on the peripheries of Of social and economic kind of transformation. And the problem with that I see with those numbers is that also that demographic, you have a huge youth population. You're a young banker. Uh, I'm not going to ask your age. I know that guys shouldn't (laughs) do that. (laughs) But um, there's a huge population that is young on the continent of Africa. And Women are also part of that population as well. So that makes things harder a little bit more for women because we know that there's a huge youth unemployment rate also on the continent.
6: Absolutely. So we've got a huge youth unemployment rate. We've Mm -hmm. got um, job losses currently in South Africa with 15,000 jobs lost in Q1 2016. Mm -hmm. We've got, um, you know, the young upwardly mobile Youth having to, um, you know, take out debt to fund what is now known as black tax, i.e., support family back home as well as um, fund their own living. So yeah, sure. it's it's a double whammy for for not only the unemployed that don't have. Uh, jobs to participate in the financial sector but also for those people that do have jobs and are earning they actually find that the funds that they do have aren't enough to fund their living and obligations that they have as well
4: Mm. your thoughts there on where we are uh, Namsa in terms of this whole population dynamic that was brought into by Cecilia I think it actually exacerbates the problem because that's where you see the big issue really
7: well, there's no question that the African population is, is growing exponentially mm. um, and that we are also a youthful continent. Mm. And when you look at projections, you know, what Africa, the number of people that are going to be on this continent in 30 years or 50 years, um, it's, it's in excess of several billion. But sure. the bulk of that will be young people. Mm. And there's a... You know, I think there is um, there there are valid concerns about whether or not we're going to have you know enough schools and clinics and 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 facilities to to cater for these young people. But most importantly, um, jobs. Mm. And you know, jobs are created um, are created by 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 governments, but they're also created by the private sector and by entrepreneurs themselves. Mm. And what we hope to encourage through this movement mm. is you know young people really charting their own destinies, um, trying to create opportunities for themselves by entering new markets, starting new businesses. Already you find that there's a huge amount of innovation taking place on this continent. Young people are doing interesting and amazing things all over. Mm. Um, But their efforts tend to be fragmented or they tend to be operating under the radar where they're not seen. And this applies particularly for young women. So we want, Um, Women Advancing Africa to be an intergenerational movement because we want to be able to highlight the successes and achievements of young people and young women and show what they are doing to advance this continent and to create a better future for themselves.
4: Mm, I think Cecilia is, is kind of bringing pivotal points. I think she's the question because yeah, I, <laughs> I got so many pe- points from her. And another thing she spoke about was the issue of succession. And usually when it comes to young people, they don't have those Figures to actually look to look after them or manage kind of the direction of their career or their potential. How important is that, Samke, in terms of the direction we we want to see young African women going, not only young women but women in general, I guess, because you know there's a sisterhood that should happen on the continent.
6: It's quite very very important not only in the corporate sector but also in terms of entrepreneurs on the corporate sector we haven't seen enough females taking charge of uh, JC listed companies for yeah. instance we don't see enough women breaking that glass ceiling so um, for someone that's like me, I don't have someone to look up to in terms of this is um, a possible career path and you're sort of figuring it out along the way, which uh, which shouldn't really be the reality in 2016. And also in terms of entrepreneurs, I think um, access to capital Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest challenges for South African entrepreneurs and as much as we've got sort of government interventions, they usually have long lead times and people you know get frustrated and tired along the way or the opportunity may no longer exist Mm -hmm. by the time that that funding is approved. So there are a number of challenges, not only in terms of um, um, the social development side, in terms of garnering um, or fostering entrepreneurship, but also in terms of the role models that we we can look up to and Mm -hmm. and say that, you know, I can get there with enough hard work or education and there are a number of... Associated socioeconomic realities that we're now seeing where you've got the new trend of blesses and blessees (laughs) where young women are chasing the lifestyle without having to put in the work Mm -hmm. and they're seeing their role models who are usually celebrities Mm -hmm. living the life, traveling, checking in, carrying the fanciest bags Mm -hmm. and those are the role models that they have. They Mm -hmm. don't have women in business or if there are women in business they're not profiled enough.
4: Mm -hmm. Well that's very interesting the issue of profiling and let me bring it back to you Cecilia the gap between women and boys boardrooms, uh, you know, the issue of gender equality legislation. How do we close the gap, not just in South Africa, but on the continent?
2: Thank you very much. You know, um, and I hope you don't mind, I wanted to just highlight sure. an issue, we had raised the issue about you. Yeah. And just to give you more numbers, you know, when you look at the African demographics, Children between age 0 to 14 actually make up 50% of the population in majority of African countries. And half of that 0 to 14% are girls. Mm. So whatever we do, we also need to focus on that age group and preparing them for a better future, preparing the way they think, particularly the girls, that these are girls that are already prepared from a young age for leadership these are girls that see their education as a tool for the future and these are girls that will see themselves as equal contributors to the advancement of their countries to the advancement of their communities as well as their families Mm. and and now coming back to your question on how we can actually start to close the gender gap and focusing on issues of legislation. And I would like to bring that to what um, the WAA initiative is about. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing together leading African women, being able to think through the critical issues. I mean, and, you know, the three pillars. Um, we're looking at we're looking at market access we're looking at financial inclusion and we're looking at social change mm. and targeting first the key players in those areas in different African countries as well as the institutions that are the leading institutions to also look at those issues so we're going to be working um, with the AU, the African Development Bank. We're going to be working with the parliament Mm. in the different African countries. We're going to be working also with the the, the social players are are, are, are religious organizations, Mm. because when you start looking at social change, particularly on the continent, it's about culture, it's about religion, Uh And it's about just general mindset. And Uh so we're going to be targeting those um, communities and social organizations and social players where I would say the the enforcement of the social norms that right now are negative when it comes to the issues of women dealing with those communities and those organizations that are the current enforcers of the negative social norms and beginning to educate them Mm -hmm. and and so it's about social change and then it's about promoting the right policies you know when we looked at issues of market access we've all been conscious of how when it comes to market access we've seen policies related to procurement And so we've seen policies related to local content, we've seen policies related to national or regional Mm, mm, preferences. mm, mm. So maybe we need to start introducing policies related to gender preferences. That's a good point that you're bringing there, Cecilia. Sure.
4: Because um? I think that's a very important, interesting point there because I work at the SABC and the way the whole issue of 90, 80% of local music was hastened and it was like in a week's day, like the policy was implemented. But when it comes to gender equality issues, it's it's not the same. And, and let me bring that back to you, Nomsa. Accelerating the process of uh, gender equality seems very, very slow on the African continent. There seems like there's no real will around that.
7: Well, I think progress is definitely uneven. Sure. Um, you know, we do in in many cases have policies in place, um, and often the policies are good policies mm. around preferential procurement or the percentage of women's representation in political structures, or even in you know in in the corporate environment, yeah. their policies. But um, these policies aren't often implemented very well, or they're implemented very slowly. Yeah. Or they don't have the buy-in, really, of the person at the top, you mm-hmm. know, be it the leader of government, be it the head of the, the, the company, the CEO. And if the if they're not driven um, by the top leadership, then they will be uneven and progress will be slow. But I just want to pick up on another point you, you had emphasized, which was the need for legislative change, mm-hmm. Um you know, I, one one of the areas, for example, where I think a lot of progress still needs to be made is looking at legal restrictions okay. that impede women's economic progress. And again, if you look on the African continent, you know, progress is mixed. But we still have laws that discriminate against um, women being able to own land or mm-hmm. women being able to inherit land or pass on land yes. to their children. Mm. Uh, we have policies in some cases that prevent women from, you know, opening bank accounts or am- entering into contracts without permission from their husbands or mm. even becoming directors without sure. getting their husband's permission. Um, there are policies that restrict women's employment, not to mention a whole host of policies around women in the workplace that don't favor things like, you know, child care or family leave or... Um, You know, and all of these policies make it difficult for a working woman. Mm. And the more difficult we make it for women to just maneuver their day-to-day existence, the more we're going to retard the development of this continent. So we need action in terms of, on on the legislative front, we we need action in terms of better implementation of of policies, and we need new policies that are going to be groundbreaking. There's no reason why Africa always has to be the last. (laughs) You know to do everything why mm-hmm. can't we be the first for a change why can't we be the movers and the shakers and the ones who show the world that women in this continent are accorded um at different um, opportunities mm-hmm. and you know this is this is central to our government policies and our corporate policies so mm-hmm. i think it's time for us as africans to show that we can also lead the world um, in empowering women. Mm
4: -hmm. You're listening to Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance remember if you're listening to us on DSTV we're on Channel 802 and online we're on www.channelafrica.co.za our short wave is on the frequency 9625 on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa but I am going to take a quick break and then we're going to wrap up the conversation if you're just joining us uh, we just Does have a conversation with nomsa daniels who is uh, a ceo of the grusha michelle trust we also have sam genguenya who's a private banker cecilia akim uh, tomida is joining us on the line as attorney and she was also or rather she is the former vice president of the secretary general of the african uh, uh, development bank okay we're going to take a quick break and then i'm going to be back and we're going to wrap up this conversation
0: change your game game. be the voice of young african entrepreneurs change your your game a program that promotes open discussion change your game we bring social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the global entrepreneurship ecosystem our mission is to produce relevant and vibrant content and conduct interviews with dynamic stakeholders within the african entrepreneurial ecosystem that informs educate and entertains and empowers young African entrepreneurs. Change your game. Change your game. Empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs. Tune in on Fridays, 10:00 hours to 10:45 a.m. Central African Time. And on Saturdays, 13:00 hours to 14:00 hours Central African Time. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
4: Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us. And uh, if you're listening to us on shortwave, thank you for being part of that community as well. And DSTV, thank you for joining us there. Well, today we're looking up at the Women Advancing Africa Initiative from the Grassa Michelle Trust. And uh, it's very interesting where we are right now, but uh, we need to, to wrap it up somewhere. And, and let me come to you, Samke, in terms of some of the areas that we touched on earlier on about the the importance of also the sisterhood feeling on Africa I want to come back to that whole sentiment of you know the sisterhood because I think it's not, is it popular on the African continent because right now sometimes you know when you speak to your girlfriends uh, on some tip like hey girls they get jealous with each other and you know just the sentiments of the feeling of a collective within women is it popular around maybe your sector where women gather together and they actually believe in each other's initiatives you know there's always a boys club we go to the (laughs) smoking room have our cigars, have a whiskey. Is, is there that kind of feeling amongst women, especially those who are uh, empowered uh, in the financial sector or in the economy or uh, even in our society?
6: Um so I am quite grateful to the Grasse Michelle Trust because sure. um I'm ashamed to say that um I didn't have many friends outside of sort of South Africa the SADC region before oh, okay. the the roundtable. So um what they were very smart in doing is that they Tell us why t- you didn't have friends <laughs> first before you went there. I mean um, what were your challenges as a woman kind of
4: gathering with other women?
6: Um to be very honest with you it was just the fact that I was very you know, I was based in South Africa. There wasn't much movement outside of South Africa. Yeah. Within South Africa? Within South Africa, yeah. I do have, you know, a number of friends from different races, from different so in terms tribal of s- backgrounds. In terms
4: of your financial
6: sector? In the financial sector, I would say um, it's not really limited to females in the financial sector. Oh, we don't okay. have a, a group or mm. an empowerment or advancement group within the financial sector. Sure, okay, um, okay. You know That could be a function of the fact that it's a very rapidly changing area. And mm. also, you don't want to, in a male-dominated industry, be seen. To be forming something that is exclusive, mm. you want to to be seen to be available and open to interactions and friendships sure, and sure. Um, collaborations with people from different genders and backgrounds mm. and um, you know levels of expertise and experience. Mm. So, do I have a girl group in the financial services sector? No. <laughs> um, am I friends with everyone? Yes. Do I feel sure. comfortable approaching anyone? Yes. Does that mean that there aren't females in the industry that feel that they need mentorship or a support system? Sure. Definitely not. Mm. I think. Is room for that, mm. and um, you know, different financial institutions may address that differently. But I'm um, just getting back to the point of having a sisterhood across the continent. Mm. We definitely formed a WhatsApp group to continue the conversation outside of the round table forum. Mm. And, uh, I've actually taken it upon myself to travel to nine African countries for the next <laughs> 12 months. I've costed it. it's going to cost me 46,000 rand, it's okay. going to be three legs, and um, I'll be doing that in the next 12 months.
4: That's <laughs> fantastic. So, Norm, so you are feeling a space. you are actually. It's it's actually relevant what you are doing, hearing the narrative that Sanket just unfolded right now.
7: Absolutely, and I mean just listening to Sanket talk about the connections that she's made, and mm. seeing just the connections that I've made mm. in in doing this work. You know, I know that women are are eager to be connected and they're eager to be connected with like-minded women who share their aspirations for this continent who want to work hard to to improve um you know the condition of women children um and and all people of this continent so i think just by connecting these women you we we've already lit lit a spark um but there are two things i wanted to to um to talk about as we wrap up you mentioned earlier you know that that there are a lot of these kinds of convening platforms sure, and sure. what is going to make this one different, and, and you know how are we going to make sure that this isn 't another talk shop mm. and I think that is an important point i mean all, A lot of us go to conferences as part of our work and and we we often f- suffer from conference fatigue mm. and from just feeling like you know we get together and we talk and we talk about solving the problems of Africa, but you, we don 't really do anything. Mm. Um, one of the messages that came out very clearly from our roundtable meeting was this, you know, this platform, this initiative has to be different. Mm-hmm. It can't just be about talking. We have to drive specific things. We have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to have um, uh, indicators and measurements in place that will allow us to track progress from year on um, you know, year on year. So in the next few months, we're going to be putting together, um, putting those things in place so that we do have a way of holding ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, the other point I wanted to make, which we haven't touched on, was really the need to include men. Okay. You know, There's a tendency to think that when you advocate for the empowerment of women, you're somehow advocating for the disempowerment of men. Yes and 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 again, this movement is not about that, and mm. the work of the Grasse Marshall Trust is very much about ensuring that we m- women are center stage in the development process, but that they you know they walk shoulder to shoulder with men, mm. and there's a partnership that recognizes the strengths that women can bring uh and the strengths that men can bring to collectively um dealing with the challenges that, that that we face. So one of the taglines that came up with the round table meeting was, you know, women advancing Africa and the men who support them <laughs> because we believe very much in having male champions yeah. and in working with progressive men who are going to um, give us access to, you know, the institutions that C- Cecilia mentioned, to traditional leaders, mm-hmm. Um, to the centers of power, sure, you know, sure. on this continent. And, and we feel that this is very much a, a collective movement, not just of women, but mm. of men who also want to see, you know, women occupying their rightful place. Mm.
4: Cecilia, coming to you, uh, just as we wrap it up, your thoughts around the, the importance of the sisterhood on the African continent. How, how relevant is it, especially right now, when Africa is uh, really transforming at such an accelerating pace?
2: So I think it's critical um, for us to have a network of women across the continent. Mm. I mean, when it comes, I mean, just from the perspective of even sharing experience, sharing best practices across the continent. Mm. And then mm. you you'd mentioned the issue of the boards. If we're going to increase the number of women on boards, we mm. need to have a robust pipeline. And that pipeline, you can't limit it to one African country. It is best if you can have a base of women across the continent that you can easily recommend for different boards. Mm. And, and so if we come together as a group across borders, it becomes... You know, we're talking about regional integration. You contribute to the integration. You also break down some of the concerns that are bred through ignorance, some of the fears we have um, of people from different countries on the continent, and we start to work together to build a better Africa. So I think this aspect of connecting women that um, GMT and the WAA initiative is promoting is a critical game-changer. And it is one of what I would say makes GMT and the WAA initiative different.
4: Mm. Now, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, I know that you guys have uh, a gathering next year in uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that, Nomsa.
7: Well, the the gathering next year is really going to be the inaugural um, um, launch of of Women Investing Africa. And we we anticipate having, you know, over 250 um, people there, women from across the continent, um, from different ages and different professional backgrounds. Um, We also plan to invite a few, you know, global um, thought leaders and and influencers so that we can also bring the best of what the world has to offer um, into the discussions. Um, We are still in the process of putting together what, you know, what the actual forum will look like, but it'll probably be over two or three days. And um, during that time, we'll have discussions on particular topics, but we'll also have uh, discussions on, you know, as I said, the measurement and the indicators mm-hmm. and how do we track progress. And it'll also give us, uh, finally it'll give us a chance to report back on some of the concrete initiatives that we would have set in motion um, following the roundtable meeting.
4: Mm-hmm. And Your final sentiments, uh, Samke, are around moving forward and maybe there's something we didn't highlight. Maybe you want to just wrap up the conversation for us.
6: Um, thank you. I think basically... We just needed that spark and someone to give us direction or a mm-hmm. platform to mm-hmm. actually put forward these concerns and these issues that we see and live day to day. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, as Namsa mentioned, that the Marshall Trust is a collective effort and mm-hmm. open to everyone who subscribes to the values and wants mm-hmm. to address the issues. For instance, I put up a Facebook status to say, listen, I'm part of the um, Advancing fa- Women in Financial Inclusion mm-hmm. agenda. If you're interested, let me know. I had friends from Centerbank, from ABSA, from all the major banks, yeah, both great. male and female, wow. black, white, ca- mixed race. Yeah. So so uh, you know it's it, it's not an exclusive um you know forum or click. Mm-hmm. It's basically a platform for us to address the issues in our day-to-day lives and to actually bring forth the issues we see and actually to um, a platform for us to promote the solutions that we may be thinking of in our corners and our silos.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, that's how we wrap it up. It's 11.45 Central African Time. It's uh, very uh, funny how uh, time goes when you have two pretty women on the line and one on <laughs> here in the studios. But thank you both for giving us your time. Thank you to Nomsa Daniels, who's the CEO of the Rasa Michelle Trust. Thank you to Sam Gwenya, a private banker. Thank you to Cecilia Akintomide, who's attorney and the former vice president of the Secretary of General African Development Bank. Thank you all for giving us your time. It takes us to our economics update. So we'll go to that. I think signing Matabula is just close by, so we'll get that in a few minutes. All right, that's how we wrap it up. Thank you for being part of the conversation today. From myself, Benjamin Mushatama, thank you for joining us. Remember that you can interact with us on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. And that's how we wrap it up. We'll wrap up with a song, Mangwan and this one is by South African singer Judith Sapuma.
8: Good morning, I'm Wissani Matebula with your Economics News. South African Communist Party coming out in support of Finance Minister Praveen Goran, SACP General Secretary Bladen Zimande, says what is happening to Godan amounts to harassment. Zimande was addressing the media in Kempton Park, east of Johannesburg.
1: We've noted the denial of any political involvement in this matter, but also note that after assuring Comrade Godan that he was not a suspect and then pausing for the local government elections, The matter is suddenly back on the table. The timing has an similarity with the events that unfolded between 2003 and 2007 when the timing of another prosecution attempt against a senior politician appeared to be coordinated around the political calendar of the ANC.
8: Nzimanda says there is a possibility that the Guptas could be planning to sell their South African interests to themselves through foreign-based operations.
1: The SACP has taken note of Friday's announcement that the Gupta family intends to sell off all of its assets in South Africa by the end of the year to certain unspecified international interests. Ostensibly, this is for the benefit of South Africa and to save local jobs. Frankly, we treat this announcement with a great deal of skepticism. It comes at a time when Gupta companies are reportedly under increasing scrutiny from the Reserve Bank. Treasury and the Financial Intelligence Center.
8: Shares in the KCB Group, are Kenya's biggest bank bar, assets and equity bank, the biggest in terms of a number of customers, have fallen sharply for a third consecutive session as investors reacted further to a government move to cap commercial lending rates. Shares in KCB and the equity were both down 9.3% on the Nairobi Securities Exchange. Cooperative Bank of Kenya dropped 9.7%, while NICB Bank fell 8.3%. Egypt will no longer permit wheat shipments with even trace levels of ergot. The decision reverses an earlier decree that had allowed for a 0.5%, a common international standard of the fungus in imports, which had put to rest a month-long standoff that saw suppliers boycott state grain tenders and raise prices. Spokesperson Ede Wahash says the ban will be applied to every grain of wheat entering the country. Mauritian trade deficit widened by 3% to 1.1 billion U.S. dollars. In the first half of 2016, this as exports fell. Statistics Mauritius says exports fell 10.8% on lower sales of machinery and transport equipment, while imports dropped 5%. Britain was the main destination for exports, accounting for 12%, while China was the main supplier with 7.9% on the Indian Ocean Islands imports. The US dollar trading at 1433, South African rents 10.57, Botswana Pula and 9.86 against the Zambian Kwacha. Some European currencies now the, the, the dollar is at 0.76 to the British pound and 0.89 to the euro. Commodities gold $1,316, platinum $1,069 per fine ounce. Brent crude oil is at $49.40 per barrel. That's your economic news for now.
1: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave internet and satellite. My name is Hot Sticks Mabuse, a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Pambi.
6: My name is Yvonne Chaka Chaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa,
1: the voice of the African Renaissance.
9: Good day, sports fans. I'm Tabitha Antema with your latest sports update at this hour. We begin with netball news. South Africa's national netball team, the Spar Proteas, opened their netball quad series account on the wrong foot. The Spar Proteas lost to world champions Australia by... 43 points to 68 in the opening game played in Auckland, New Zealand on Saturday. The Spa Proteas will now head to central North Island City of Hamilton to play their world second-ranked side, the Silver Fence, on Wednesday. The Silver Fence, which is New Zealand, beat English Roses in the second test in Auckland by 65 points to 39. Norma Plummer, the Proteas netball head coach, was un- was impressed by her team's performance despite the loss
2: you 're not too happy when you have a loss, but i 'm really quite delighted because from world champs to now, the improvement that I see and the commitment and the you know the effort we want to be uh, defined as pressure and effort we want to be defined as a team that 's going to you know take it up to the top size, and we 're only going to learn by actually being in this competition, so we Have to learn how much tougher and how much more contesting we have to do, how much more consistency we've got to have. You know, it was, but it was great sitting there watching it because I could see the mistake coming before it came, but at least I knew they were having a crack at it and I was delighted in that.
9: South Africa swimmers Cameroon van der Beer and Chad Leclerc are back to winning ways a little more than two weeks after competing at the Rio Olympics. The South African duo who won silver in Rio back to gold each on Friday in the first leg of the Paris, leg of the Fina World Cup. Van der Beer won the 50-meter breaststroke final. In 25.98, and then doubled up with gold in the 200 meter breaststroke in 2 minutes and 5 seconds. While Leclerc was the comfortable winner in the 200 meter butterfly in the time of 1 minute and 51 seconds before winning the 50 meter butterfly with 22.17. Belgium's Thomas Peters has won the Made in Denmark, his third European tour win. He held his nerve to finish with three birdies in a row to go seventeen under par and win by a shot from Bradley
3: Dredge. Mark Tompkins was
9: there and filed this
3: report. Belgian's Thomas Peters has won made in Denmark in the most dramatic fashion, having finished with three birdies in a row to go to seventeen under par in the final stage. His four players were locked at 15 under, but Peters, who almost hold his tee shot on the par 3, 16th, rolled in a birdie putt. He rolled in a birdie at 17 and got just the fifth birdie of the day on the par 4, 18th, to take his first title since winning in Holland last year. Second place finish in the Czech Republic last week, and he now has his eye very much on a Ryder Cup wildcard pick. Darren Clark will announce those early next week. Bradley Dredge finished in second place, 16 under par for him. A birdie on the last couldn't drag him into a playoff with Peters, and David Lipsky and Adrian Otayeggi from Spain tied third on 15 under par. Spare a thought for Joachim Lagergren he was level at the top of the leaderboard having birdied four in a row going down 18 but a lost ball from his tee shot saw him finish with a triple bogey seven and he had to settle for fifth place but it's Peters the champion he wins his first event of the year he finished on 17 under par and won by a shot.
9: Speaking to Mark Tompkins, South African Jakob Van Seel, after a final round of 65 in Denmark that saw him finish in a tie of sixth, says he hopes his game will improve in time for the next championship.
4: I
5: got off to a nice start this week and um, you know, the one got up on, on Friday and caught me a little
3: bit by surprise so I let a couple go there but yeah, one in all I had a really nice weekend. Overall what's pleased you most about the game at the moment? I mean, I've been hitting it so nicely for a long time and, um, you know, just stuck some new edges in the bag. um, You know, and put the new
5: ball in the bag and, you know, I mean, the combination is just absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, over the weekend, the short game
9: just all came together. And ripping it off with Athletics News. South Africa's Rio Olympic Games 100-meter finalist Akani Simbine finished second in the men's 100 race at the Paris Diamond League meeting in France. A world record by Ruth Chebert of Bahrain in the, in the 3,000 staple chase, a great win by Alfred Kipketa of Kenya in the 800-meter, but it was not a glorious night for Jose Marie Talou of the Ivory Coast as she pulled out injured in the women's two hundred meter race. Our correspondent Mnyati was there and filed this report.
10: Akani Simbine was narrowly outsprinted by Ben Yusuf Mate of the Ivory Coast in a tight one hundred meter race. The Ivorian sprinter who won the twenty sixteen Continental one hundred meters title in Durban in South Africa clocked nine point ninety six seconds. He took the race from Simbine by two hundredth of a second and collected his first maximum points in the Diamond League series. Zimbine, arguably the best South African sprinter this season, finished slightly ahead of the European champion Martina Churandi of the Netherlands. A former Kenyan, Ruth Chebet from Bahrain and newly crowned Olympic champion, won the women's 3000 thousand metres steeplechase in 8 minutes 52.82 seconds, which is a new world record. The 19-year-old Outclassed her Olympic Games run up, Hyven Kiang Jebkemoi of Kenya. She produced a suicidal piece of running to have the record books rewritten. The men's 800 meters had plenty of fireworks. Alfred Kipketer of Kenya charged from behind to win the race and disappointed front runners, his fellow countryman, Fekerson Rotich.
9: That's a sport at this hour. Stay tuned on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.